0: Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people.
1: Hello and welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and my good friend, Rachel Gardner, talking all things youth ministry. Uh, we're both youth workers. We, we should mention that from time to time. <laughs> you you um, help to lead youth work at St. Luke's in Blackburn. I do,
0: and you at St. Mary's in Rightgate. That's it.
1: And do we, we just go through the whole episode just talking about each other. Be fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? And she that. loves dogs. <laughs>
0: and he hates twizzler his dog oh. twizzler anyway another episode for that um we do talk about youth ministry and everything else in between but partly what's what's interesting at the moment i think is is picking up and engaging with what wider narratives are being told about young people coming yeah. like, like, like we haven't talked about covid for a long time have we but like the tale of covid oh, yeah. is long and uh you know how young people were beginning to see how they have been affected mm. by mm. things like lockdown and the mess up around education. But there's always some really interesting sort of, sort of titles, like Alpha Generation Alpha, isn't it? For young people yeah, born on right. the age of 18. And, and just the different trends, what are the things that we can categorically with confidence say that members of this generation are going to be engaging with this kind of thinking, or this will be their perspective. Yeah. What are some of the things that, that you're, you're noticing? If you-
1: Well, I mean, I think every generation of youth uh, youth cultures become more and more fragmented so I think you you look at something like music the sort of minute yeah. sub tribes of music now Yeah, are, It's not are crazy. Partial, is it? I think it's almost become a thing though to find your tribe, hasn't it? To find mm. your very specific tribe. Um, a lot of that takes place around sort of TV and video game and film fandom mm-hmm. as well. That's a mm-hmm. massive thing. Or music. Um, but probably I feel like, it's like that's changed. That's flit. So when I was growing up, back in the 1950s or whatever, the you didn't really kind of like develop devotion around a particular TV show. Like you might have done the, the, the sort of exception is around whether you love Star Trek or, or, um, Doctor, or Doctor Who. Doctor Who, yeah. Those are your options. Mm. Uh, and we all know which one I took. Mm. Um, but now that seems much, um, much more popular than music. So I think people are big kind of Taylor Swift or BTS fans or whatever. Yeah, but
0: Stranger Things is but much. You, more you would I think you yeah. find
1: yourself much more around. Yeah. Or, or really quite like Marmite TV programs like The Witcher, which mm. is like massive, mm. but a lot of young people won't have seen or or, mm. or don't like. And you're right, Stranger Things, a really good example. Um. So I think yeah, youth youth ministry. Uh, sorry, youth culture. Youth culture has become more fragmented, and. Probably less now, kind of rabid fandom around bands, which there used to be, mm. and more around TV, visual media, maybe games as well.
0: And do you feel that the way that we as or the way adult generations define what rebellion, because that's generally adult generation, old generations will look at emerging generations and almost define them by what they, what their rebellious,
1: yeah,
0: behavior. So it's the it's the music that's the punk, you know, yeah, yeah. when it was the beat boppers before or whatever it was, or rock and roll, and in each generation, the, the music kind of reacts against previous music. I think now when you think about the the trends that we see in emerging generations. It's not so much us identifying where young people are experiencing a fracture with older generations. It's more what is just their norm. So Generation Mm. Online is not young people going, well, no adults are here, so we'll be here. And, mm. um, you know, so TikTok is a brilliant example of how the vast majority of TikTok is women doing mm. dances or family dances. And yet that's a platform that young people are all over. So I find it really interesting that the, the definitions around Generation Online, Generation Anxious, mm. Generation Sensible, you know, Generation Uncertain, Generation Irreligious, mm. are actually, they feel like they're more really sad. Uh, sort of statements about the well-being of a generation as opposed to the strength and the force and the power of a generation I don't know oh, if that's...
1: let me let me try a theory on you yeah, that i'm not sure about okay but you of all people would probably have a view on this okay so um so i wonder how much the rebellious streak of young people has been dulled by pornography addiction
0: Wow. And ad-
1: addiction is probably a strong word, but pornography use. Compulsive use, yeah. Um, because I, I imagine for most teenagers now accessing oh, it's hardcore pornography oh, gosh, yeah. would be one of their uh, rebellious but totally secretive pursuits. And this, we're still not in a culture really. In fact, we're less in a culture than we were that accepts pornography as like a you know, oh, it's just cool, everyone's looking at it. In fact, that narrative sort Mm, of disappeared.
0: Yeah, because of toxic masculinity. Because of toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So now it's much, much more seen as like, not good and Mm. dirty and uh, uh, not safe and and all that stuff. Well, it's
0: pervert politicians watching it in the back of the year suddenly. Exactly.
1: But because of the, pervasive nature and the, the way mm. that pornography gets hold of people, especially young people who don't mm. have access to a, a healthy physical or otherwise yeah. relationship. I, I just wonder whether that then behavior becomes the act of rebellion, but it's secret. Mm. So that all gets driven underground. So we, so that so a bit depressingly, mm. the rebellious behaviors of, our, of this generation are kind of clouded in behaviors that we never see
0: and i guess i mean what is vital for adolescent development is that you identify yourself as opposed to your family or your Mm. community that's really important that you detach which is why we know that youth ministry is so vital because that detachment from primary caregivers is crucial psychologically. It doesn't mean they're abandoning parents or or don't need to be loved. In fact, really needs to be loved a lot more. But they need to do that attachment. So they need safe other adults to do that attachment too. Otherwise, they attach to anything, don't they? Psychologically, you cannot be detached. You have to attach. Um, So the interesting thing about porn is is that for, for many young people, they... On one level, they need to psychologically detach from the adults in their community. But what if the adults are behaving in the same way as them? What if the yeah. adults are um, sort of much more like their best mates than their parents yeah. or the negative version of that? And what if the porn they're watching is actually played out a little bit in the relationships they see around them? Mm. What, and so then it's not, you're not actually detaching and finding your sense of self. You're You're just... And yeah, you're absolutely you are been crushed. Your imagination has been crushed. Mm. your ability to form intimate relationships has been crushed. it's 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 incredibly harmful. And, and like it's interesting, is it because the church has always had a real problem with puberty mm. and a real problem with, because of that with adolescence and always been massively concerned about adolescent rebellion. Are we is the church concerned about adolescent rebellion today? I don't think it is. and I would say that's a real tragedy mm. <laughs> because actually we're not seeing young people. Who are free enough to go? I'm gonna take down that court. You know, we are, we are seeing, of course, that the just the army. Um, you know, some some young, but not all. Some young people obviously are absolutely, you know, justice warriors, and that is a key thing about this generation. Mm. But so many actually are silenced.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think silent. that the media loves actually the blow on that narrative of the justice yeah. warrior young person. Yeah. the the, 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 the vast majority in reality are quiet. There is more timidity. There's more uncertainty. It's mm, um, fear. Yeah, a lot fear of fear
0: of that. And so, yes, yeah, so I think it's a tra- it's wow. a tragedy how we're defining emerging generations. I feel, I you know, the, our childhood probably. Mm. I don't know we, we look back rosily don't we with our teenage years but I I was dressed like a goth and I thought I could flip and change the world you know mm. and I was arrogant and all, that, all those things that you're supposed to be when you're a teenager mm. Mm. but I don't know that the young people that I work with now are free enough in themselves to be able to take the risks that they need to be taking
1: you mentioned before we started recording a bit of research
0: mm. um, that
1: sort of recently emerged around this generation yeah. and, and faith.
0: And being referred, how we're referring to. So I, I mean, I'm very conscious that this is, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm pouring cold water on something that sounds really good. It's not, I, I don't think it's helpful to kind of say, oh no, they're not this. But I, I'm questioning what we mean when we say this generation are more open to faith. Because on one level, I think the under 19s that I meet are are very open. I think they're much more the ones that I work with are prone to believe in conspiracy theory, so it's not mm. necessarily always mm. a brilliant thing. I think they're mm. just not discerning at all. But what does it mean that they're more open to faith? That we know we're told they're more likely to pray than Gen Z. They're more likely to go into a church building than Gen Z. But I'm not... I'm not sure what that means and I love Charles Taylor in his book A Secular Age and he's like in his 90s he's a Canadian Catholic philosopher. I just love it that it's his voice that that is the most profound I think at the moment. He talks about how a 21st century western consumer society does not produce angry atheists It produces God-positive agnostics, Mm. and I think I see that. Mm. They, I see a generation who want there to be a God, but I'm not sure that is leading them towards faith necessarily. If anything, it's leading them towards pagan natural religion, Mm. Um, and a resurgence in that, not in Christianity. I think the boat is sailed for most young people when it comes to Christianity.
1: Um, I don't think we can overstate the role of the smartphone in. Young people's lives in terms of just numbing them and and taking the energy away and their capacity for um, reflection Mm. and for uh, activism and all sorts of other things. You know, young people is a very familiar pose. It's not a it's not just a stereotype to see teenagers as they rest now, just scrolling endlessly. And I don't think it particularly matters what's on the screen. Like I, I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's bad that young people are seeing pictures of realities they can't even aspire to. I think it's more just like the disengagement of your brain. Like you are taking up all that time just scrolling and scrolling endlessly and I had a fascinating conversation with a young person recently Um, really bright girl um, and uh, very kind of I think she's a little bit insta famous even I think she's you know lots of followers And, uh, and she just said you know I I, surely they're going to make these things illegal at some point for young people. Wow. And I thought, that's mad. You know, of course they're not going to make phones illegal. But she was like, surely they are, because it's wrecking us. Like, surely, like, wow. they know. I don't know who she thought they were.
0: Well, that, well that's it. That is the language that's created by yeah. mass media. Is mm. a conspiracy, isn't yeah. it? That they know there is a group out there that want us to be held like this. But
1: she said they probably should. They probably should take our phones away. Because it's just it's just taking up all our time. And it's not good for us. No, it's- you know, so they so young people. I mean, it's one specific individual young person, um, and we might get onto this when we meet today's guest. I think just the other thing I just wanted to pick up quickly was that assertion that young people are praying more.
0: Right?
2: Mm. Like, I'm
1: am just. Do we are we seeing
0: that? I don't think I am. No.
1: Okay, because I don't think I'm seeing it either, and I don't
0: know that I'm asking the questions that would reveal that either. Mm. I'm I, and I. So I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm also not sure what a young person would be doing for them to feel that what they're doing is prayer. And I think, I, so, I mean, I've chatted about, chatted about this before, but I, I I feel like sometimes the context that we're sometimes in, if you ask a young person to put their phone down, is a pre-Christian pagan culture,
1: mm.
0: where morality is incredibly for for the, For all the young people that are operating on a massive world, mm. you know, with everything that they can have in the, the thumbs, all of us, suddenly, when it becomes their life, it's a very much a kind of a small morality. Mm. if this works for me, and it's not even a conscious I'm being selfish it is it if this works for me, it works for me and and it's a strange kind of secularism well I mean secularism is is life without God is it if you take mm. God out of the mm. picture. Um, it 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 dies so I think it's it is interesting to ask ourselves those questions about even when we say the word prayer we are I am still coming to it with a Christocentric idea of communicating my spirit to God who mm. is divine yeah but I don't I don't think any of the young people that come to St Luke's or come to any of our projects would have that level of understanding they, when I'm with them and explain it they'll be like okay, but probably if they're doing any kind of connecting, they're chatting to an apparition in their house a mm. ghost it's the séance that their mum has set up it's something ar- around the conspiracy theory the illuminati that they're looking at they're sort of exploring that they're curious about that so i think there is a weird pagan pre-christian mm. thing mm. going on that we haven't really grabbed mm. hold of and just like the the celts you know, the ancient celts that came to british shores w- waded into the water to fight the demons We need to be doing that. And when you read those stories, were were they actually fighting things they could see? I don't know. Mm. But they were stepping into a culture that believed there were demons on these shores. And So these Celtic Mm. missionaries said, well, whatever they are, Jesus is king. We've got to to fight them and take them down. Mm. They're the powers and principalities. So I wonder what spirituality is created by all of these networks that people engage with that we have to take seriously and take down not young people take down but take down some of these powers these imagine these imaginations you know that
1: i think when i think you know i think about our youth group so we're very much a sort of traditional church youth groups so a discipleship group mm-hmm. we've got most of the young people there maybe more than half are from church families so they've had the bible in the home they've had church attendance in the home they've They've had prayer in the home. Hopefully, they've seen it modelled. I think what, what has really shocked me is how unusual it is for them to be really comfortable with personal prayer, by which I mean, you know, actually going off and having a chat with God on your own. Um, and I think many of them are comfortable with that idea of we pray as a group, we read out prayers, you know, we pray in a circle, mm. and people have to find, like, you've like you're sort of coming up with poetry um, and everyone has to pray in turn. They're sort of comfortable with that. But the idea that you would actually have a prayer life, I think is quite alien. And so it really depends what, what this research means. The research certainly as it's presented implies young people walking off into the woods and having a chat with a creator. I don't see that going on at all. Mm. In fact, our focus over the next term is simply gonna be on teaching young people to pray because I think it's probably the most profound thing we can do in youth ministry. That's why it's the focus of my last term in, in charge. Because wow. I think I think it's the most wow. it's the that's most so profound specific. thing that we can do, um, because out of that relationship of actually talking with God, that's where that's the springboard for lifelong faith, isn't it? That's the only mm. real springboard. It can't all just be up in your head. No. It has to turn into a relationship and conversation. Um, so uh, I I don't I don't see that. No. I don't see young people. Doing that, and again, it's partly because it's such a passive, receptive culture where it's all about consuming and mm. consuming media and sitting and listening and being passive. This is, you know, I mean, the contemplatives would probably love this, but this is the quietest generation of young people we've had for yeah. such a long time. But I don't think in necessarily a good way. It's
0: not still, is it? No. They're Not still. They're, they're distracted, distracted and restless, and um, and and that's that is. That is not a barrier to the gospel, no. but it sometimes is a barrier to what we think we should be doing and we need to think differently. So let's uh, chat with our guests. Because interestingly, this conversation with my friend, John, is a conversation about how do we process our calling as youth ministers when the unexpected happens? And the interesting thing for John is that actually where God is leading him in this is very much picking up on some of the things that we've just talked about. So it's a really interesting conversation. This is what happened when I had a little chat with my friend, John Menos. John you've been involved in in employed youth ministry for Mm. I mean you're so young you look about 13. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Before I make you sound like you're about 90 Uh, but you've been (laughs) you've been in employed youth ministry for for a long time can you just tell
3: us a bit of a plotted history of, of of like what has that been like for you? Yeah of course I um I became a Christian when I was about 17 at a church in Pembury in Kent and uh Within a couple of years of being a Christian, they mentioned doing a youth internship. So I did two years as a gap uh, gap year with them as like the youth ministry intern, and absolutely loved it. And my youth pastor and the pastor had both been to London School of Theology, and I was sensing maybe like my giftings aligned with potentially a call to to youth work. And I, I definitely knew I needed to study because my Bible knowledge was absolutely shambolic, like I didn't know anything at all really at that stage and so I wanted to kind of put some meat on the bones of like my experience in youth work by studying and, and getting to know the Bible and God a bit more through that and so I uh, yeah went to LST for three years which was brilliant and out of that I've since then I've then worked for three churches, so I graduated in 2012 and uh, I worked for a church in Bromley for three years, then a church in Lit for six years. And then, uh, yeah, moved up north to Blackburn uh, for the last uh, 18 months or so, two years. Um, and yeah, yeah. That's kind of a, a little
0: overview. And I suppose it's a bit weird talking about you when I'm facing you, but you are, <laughs> and you, uh, you've you always been such an outstanding communicator. You are an absolutely brilliant uh, communicator um, oh, with you. like, and with young people. I can really see that God's like, like woven that through y- your life. So, I mean, mm. the reason that I was sort of saying, John, do you want to have a chat with me today and have other people listening? Is that I think so often in youth ministry, we feel that we can share our stories, like for the benefit of the wider community when something has happened a while ago. But um, the thing about this season is, you want to kind of explore some of those things that we don't talk about in youth ministry that maybe are affecting a number of us, but we don't chat about. So, really, our challenge today is thinking how do we process a call to youth ministry, a very clear, call sense of God's guidance, when life throws unexpected things and we have to kind of rethink and reimagine all of that. So, do you want to just give us a little bit of an overview of what, what that's looked like for you this? past
3: year yeah of course so what well, we moved up uh in t- from london to um to lancashire in uh october 2021 uh to be part of st lukes blackburn and work with you guys and uh, absolutely really really just loved the whole uh opportunity and experience but throughout just had moments where mentally i knew i wasn't okay And initially I put that down to a big move, basically, like it was a big move. It was something we really felt God lay on our hearts. I became. We had a conversation with you guys about moving and later that day I found out I was made redundant at my last place. And we'd already felt we're going to make this move. If they want us, if I get uh, through the interview and everything, um, after the preliminary chat we'd had with you, uh, we felt just so excited about it all. And then to hear I had been made redundant from the church that I was currently working at felt like God was had already opened a door before He closed the other, and we just felt so blessed. And time and time again in my life, I know that I felt called to youth work and um, to ministry because every time I've had uh, a door close at the church I've been at, another one has opened, and it's just been remarkable. Like emotional when I think about it, kind of to be honest, and so um we knew we felt called but I just regularly found mentally I was struggling and, and I'd had that a bit throughout my life I had that a bit at uni I had depression and had to go home for about a month and was just just felt very dark and very low and struggling with a whole host of things but um Probably within about three months, I think it was of the move up here, I kind of crashed, and as I say, put it down to a big move. My wife um, is uh, disabled; she's a wheelchair user. We've got two small children. Uh, we needed to adapt our bungalow. Um, it was almost pressing the reset button of like moving up, and we felt um, we felt very safe uh, with with uh, the with you guys and the leadership and the church, and, and absolutely loved it. But it was still all new, and therefore when I looked up like um, feeling anxious or depressed and things uh, a lot of uh, one of the questions was have you had any big life changes recently and it listed um, about 10 and about five of them I'd had <laughs> so I was like well, of course I'm struggling um, and so um, was signed off for a little bit um, and then came back and felt great and threw myself back into things and was yeah absolutely loving it Um Every now and then I just had wobbles still and again I think it was I just felt I'm probably quite thinly stretched like ministry is a job like no other and it's an absolute privilege and uh, I've absolutely loved it but it is it is tough at times like you hear stories from people that hit you deep or you're journeying with people who are struggling and you might be struggling yourself as well. And so it's not, it's not your classic nine to five where you clock off and don't take your work home with you. And so I think I just thought, well, this is normal. And having already had eight or nine or so years experience, I I, I recognize the familiarity of that. Then just after Christmas this year, um, so January, Gen- I I I came in for a day and I just found like I, I just felt absolutely burnt out. I was just absolutely. Overwhelmed, I'd say. I'd had the odd anxiety moment, and what I hadn't really realised probably was maybe a little bit of anxiety attack on the odd like Sunday morning. Um, And again, I think that was uh, having a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Like one thing, maybe people don't appreciate if they don't work in ministry um, is that every Sunday, if you have a family and you and you work in ministry, is like bring your kids to work day. And to some degree, that's lovely. And but there are other Sundays where that's actually really flipping hard. And so. I felt like a few Sundays I was getting to that stage of like oh my word I just feel overwhelmed here and I I'm not loving the youth how I want to probably and uh, I'm not as engaged with the wider congregation as I want to be and I'm not worshipping God in this space like I want to be and I'm probably not being a particularly good husband or dad at the moment how I want to be and so felt like I was almost yeah just dropping every ball maybe and so spoke to my doctor about it and, um, they had a mental health practitioner at my, uh, doctor's surgery, which is amazing. And, uh, I don't know how many doctors have that, but again, very blessed to feel like we've, uh, very blessed to have had that. And, um, spoke to her a little bit about it. And my wife had started noticing on Instagram and like TikTok, some reels that mentioned things like ADHD. And I'd, <laughs> I'd had a conversation with a good friend about some of these, like, uh, neurodivergent social media content, and almost not not in a scathing way, but in a kind of I think righteously cautious, we've got to be careful because sometimes it feels a little bit like horoscopes kind of stuff where like, do you sometimes struggle with not doing the thing that you know you need to get done that day? And it's like, yeah, like literally everyone <laughs> else on the planet, like it kind of feels like it was it was made to sound specific, but actually it was incredibly broad and something that everyone could say, oh yeah, I, I'm probably neurodivergent then, or I probably have ADHD or I probably am struggling with this or that. It took Jade to see some of that similar content um uh to say like I actually really think this is you John and I was like th- I was like I know what you're saying but this is everybody and she was like well it's not me like almost at all like almost none of these things really applied to me very often at all um so speaking to the mental health practitioner um and in the end um managing to I, 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 we went privately to try to get this sorted as soon as possible. And um, we had a had a, a bit of money set aside that we thought we just need to. This has to be a priority because I can't do my job at the moment. And if it's ADHD, then that's going to be a different um, that's going to be a different way of dealing with that issue than if I've just got depression or I've just kind of had a, a mental breakdown, for want of a better term. Uh, and so yeah, we we ended up um, going for that. And um, by the time it came to the appointment, I pretty much was convinced I did have it like, uh, I think 11 of the 12 symptoms um, of ADHD, I had kind of quite a far end of the scale and ended up yeah being diagnosed with that. And yeah, yeah, it's been it's been weird, um, in lots of ways, because i'm 34 and so it's been strange to know that this is something they're not sure if you're born with it or if it develops but if it develops it does develop very early on um uh, and so they they think it's there's definitely a case for it being hereditary and therefore innate um and i think i think for me i'd always thought the I'd always written off ADHD. Someone had mentioned it to me about ten years ago um, at one point. Um, because essentially, the way this connects with youth work is, I am probably the worst person admin on the planet. Like, I, I love young people, and but I really struggle with the kind of office stuff. And I like working in a group because, again, I'm very um, extroverted, and that kind of helps me not get distracted. Maybe, and uh, it stimulates me in a helpful way but working on my own or being a kind of lone wolf is like a nightmare for me I just really struggle and I just thought when I left uni and my first church picked up on kind of come on mate you need to crack on with your admin a bit I just thought yeah it's time to grow up like I have got used to uni hours of staying up late and getting up late and kind of as long as you get your essays done it's fine and you and you don't have to be as responsible probably as entering like the life of work and uh I just kind of thought yeah time to grow up and then the second church like I think they were definitely a church that really valued wonderful church but definitely a church that really valued um, structure and and those kind of things and I just thought I'm a different kind of person I'm Kind of more creative than maybe the people who are managing me. And it's very hard to work out how many hours you really put into creativity sometimes. Like a sermon can take a couple of hours or 20 hours. Like it really depends on what you're doing. And a lot of youth work is like that as well. It can be very hard to do timesheets for youth work because so much of it is creative. So I just kind of thought they don't just don't really get me, maybe. Um, Then having it arise again and knowing that it was a weakness that I think. Maybe feeling that I'd come a long way, uh, but still probably hadn't come far enough with regards to bridging that gap um, and being effective, I guess, in the office. Um, yeah, it did make me think, OK, like maybe there's more to it than that. And I, I think ultimately, like. Yeah, it's it's been really freeing to realise that there is something else going on and it's not just. I think I felt a great weight of guilt and um, both both spiritually towards God and also relationally and professionally towards employers that I was just lazy sometimes maybe or I just couldn't be bothered to do the things that to be honest weren't the exciting parts of the role um, and, and I mean that exciting to me I don't mean like if I'm not on the stage I'm not doing it I mean like <laughs> I mean, like, even just the things I enjoyed. Um, So, yeah, I think, yeah, sorry.
0: I I just, I think you're so incredibly brave to share this with us. And I know that people listening are just going to be like just completely tuned in because it, it it's a, a devastating thing, isn't it? To kind of think you move your whole family, you really sense God calling mm. you. You're so talented and skilled in youth ministry. It's so clear. And yet this unexpected diagnosis, which makes sense. And as you move mm. forward, it's going to be really helpful. And, and, and we'll hear a bit about your future in a minute, but, but how, how do you go about processing in all of that? Something that as you, you use the word innate, which I, that, that sort of a chord with me, John. Like, actually, mm. that is that you are powerfully and wonderfully made, and have discovered something about how you think and relate to stuff that kind of casts a, a light on the challenges and the opportunities I had Before, but but how do you process your call to youth ministry in the light of all of that? When at the mm. moment you've stepped back from youth ministry, although you're fully, you know, part of the team at St Luke's and still
3: involved mm. in youth ministry, what what did that journey look like for you? Yeah, processing it, I think. I think realising, and it's something I've, I think I'm, one of the things I'm, I'm going to talk about my, one thing I think I'm good at, which always feels a little bit weird um, (laughs) when you say it, when you say it yourself. Um, You're good at cooking.
0: I love your stuff on Instagram. You're you're good at roasts.
3: (laughs) I can, I can, I can do a roast. That's about as far as it goes. (laughs) But I think I think I've got good self-awareness and I think even before I knew I had ADHD there's lots of things that I picked up on about how I am and how uh, my how yeah I guess how I am that have ended up to be quite um, intuitive uh, to what ADHD is actually like and so I think I realized that like for for lots of us your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness can't it if you're incredibly pastoral and compassionate that can be such a strength in getting alongside people but if you never have boundaries you can just end up a broken mess because you take on everyone else's pain or if you're very good at being like assertive and a good leader the flip side or the shadow side of that can you can be really bossy or controlling or over dominating or overbearing or you can be just just incredible at guiding people um where they need to go, and I think I'd realize that. Like, I think with ADHD, there, there is there are a lot of weaknesses for certain things, but there's also a load of strengths, and I think that's really helped me process it, recognizing that um, it's it's very strange having a wife in a wheelchair and then you being diagnosed with what is technically a disability, because it feels so like apples and oranges, and but at the same time it's it's helpful language to the degree that it it can be debilitating in certain contexts and it it is a big hurdle to overcome in certain situations and I think one part of processing is not sweeping things under the carpet is recognizing that no what what you're going through is a real issue whether that's grief or whether that's abuse or whether that is disability or a diagnosis or whatever it is you you've always got hope um when you've got jesus in your life but at the same time jesus wept and at the same time we all go through moments where you've just got to process those emotions and maybe grieve what you could have had or maybe even feel you should have had in a ideal world um and so it's, part of it was that for sure but part of it was also not sweeping it under the carpet but recognizing the the, the the yeah the legitimate strengths that something like adhd brings so Um, very quickly, without boring people who aren't interested, who don't have it maybe, or don't know anyone who even has it, the the science behind it is you have a lower level of dopamine than the average person. And so the reason you're so easily distractible or hyperactive is you're constantly looking for things that give you a dopamine hit, that make you feel good, that buzz you. Um, And so because of that, once you do find things that give you that buzz, you can be incredibly affected in those areas so there's this um, acronym called NICU which is N-I-C-U and for people with ADHD if it's novel interesting or challenging they can hit a thing called hyper and absolutely nail it if they find it novel interesting or challenging if they don't find it any of those things they wait until the U comes into play and that's urgent And so that's why many people with ADHD are very last minute for the stuff that they don't enjoy. And they can still get it done. But one of the things I recognize is that presents a big problem when you're working as uh, when you're working in a team whereby doing things last minute isn't very helpful for the rest of your team and doesn't feel very loving for them either. Um, And so I think processing it was ultimately recognizing like there are weaknesses to it and you can put things in place to overcome that. Um, I have to use uh, like sticky notes sometimes I have to be very good with my diary and then remember to actually read my diary as well Um, (laughs) I have to put notifications on my phone and remember to make sure that they're an alarm on the ones that are time specific um, and things and so but I, I think there's with with absolutely anything and everything like I think part of the process is of course just knowing that God uses people who are broken or struggling in certain areas like uh, the only perfect person God ever used in the Bible was Jesus and everyone else is yeah. as messed up as each other yeah. just in different ways and struggling with different issues at different times um, and so knowing that God has used me and will continue to use me is saying is that always helps that
0: and I love how you just framed that and you sort of shared with us the strengths of neurodivergence and just and I, and I can really see that like you I, I would say to you oh John there's a high school that wants like every year group to have a session tomorrow you're like I'm there I'm on it yeah. and you're absolutely <laughs> nailing it it's such a skill and and so often skills that are required in youth ministry that quick pivots that adapting mm. that flexibility but it can feel like a weakness doesn't it when especially if it comes mm. off the back of a time of of you know of deep pain and struggle and um and and sort of sharing with young people the journey that we go on and, and what was it like when you shared with young people about your diagnosis how did they react to to what you were sharing what was your experience of that
3: yeah it's, it's always a really it's always a really tough one when as youth pastor you work out when you share what you share and how you share it I think that's true of any ministry when you share the things you're going through with a church um I had two great bits of wisdom on this kind of stuff Craig Rochelle on his podcast talks about people would rather follow rather follow a leader who's always real than a leader who's always right so there's a need for integrity and openness But I think Rich Wilkerson jr. talks about the fact that like it's easier to share your scars than your wounds because talking retrospectively mm. about something that you've healed from means you're not going to bleed all over the people you're trying to lead basically um, because that's messy you can talk about that you can talk about almost anything when it's historical, can't you? Like, how did I how do I share? Like I'm currently struggling with something and not kind of let that really affect the young people that you're leading. Well, I guess where that it's not my fault that I'm struggling with what I'm struggling with. And so I felt it was really easy to share that stuff because I think that first you know that whenever you share things, it's why I've always been open about having had depression. Um it's why I've always been open about my parents splitting up when I was four. It's why I've always been open about even people close to me having been abused without mentioning those people, because you just never know how that helps you relate with other young people who then, when we share something of ourself, I, I think young people feel more comfortable to share something of their selves with us. Um, and I think it's why our stories are so powerful. It's why our story of how we met Jesus is so powerful because young people think, oh, they're just like me. And if they met Jesus, then maybe I could meet Jesus. But it, I think it's also why, there's so much we're so relationally made aren't we so I think the second we share something of our struggles almost always it will strike a chord with at least somebody in the room um and I think also people I remember a guy starting our university who came in when I was in the second year came in as a fresher literally like he owned the place and I found him absolutely infuriating like I honestly I could not stand him I felt so unchristian for feeling that but I just thought it's an absolute moron and then when he shared a bit of his testimony he had so much close bereavement to him so much pain so much loss of father figures and things in his life that I was like ah, oh. like of course he's got this bravado of course he comes in it's just self-preservation and when you know something about somebody you you love them so much more I think you care so much more deeply about them and you're so much more gracious with them when you know something about their struggle. And I think there's that part of me as well that didn't want the young people to feel misunderstood. I didn't or sorry, didn't want, didn't want the young people to misunderstand me. I didn't want them thinking John hasn't been around for ages and he signed off. But like, does he really care? Um, Particularly as, as I know we're going to come on to some of the stuff that I feel God has brought about for me has been social media related. So whilst I felt a big element of work related stress, I found that one of my outlets still was social media. And so for the young people that I was leading, I really didn't want them to think, oh, he doesn't care about us, but he's he's happy to fire up a TikTok live from time to time. Uh, And so I I really felt like I wanted to be open about it and and spoke about it even on social media a little bit, because for me, it wasn't wasn't black depression. I think I now realise it was something called ADHD burnout, which is when you're overstimulated for a long amount of time and juggling a lot of stuff, you kind of will still struggle but the nature of ADHD is you still want to be on the go with certain things that do bring you energy and life and so uh, I'm still learning so much of this and this might not be true for everyone with ADHD either by the way like everybody who's struggling with anything we're all different so um but yeah I I think that was a lot of the reason why I wanted to another thing with ADHD is you're you're ridiculously transparent and you overshare so (laughs) (laughs) I love it I love
0: it I just asked you a question I'm like I've got the popcorn you can't see me guys I'm just eating popcorn I love
3: it John <laughs> so part of wanting to share everything with the youth is probably that as well but yeah. I do think there's method behind that madness as well And but I, I
0: remember like one of our young people I won't say their name but you'll know who I'm talking about that That she mm. feels so isolated in her ADHD and the moment you told mm. her that's your diagnosis too she just was like he gets me he, like yeah. she feels nobody yeah. understands that and it was just a powerful mm. moment for her of feeling like yeah you know, my my youth pastor has the same as me and for yeah. her it just felt like a for her i think she would say it just feels like the thing that separates her from everybody and it just drew mm. her in so um and i think it's really worth us saying as well isn't it that 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 you choosing to step back from the employed role i want to make it really clear that it's not that if yeah. someone has adhd they can't do a job that's not absolutely not what's being not. said but i do that's remember it. a moment where um i was driving hands free so i wasn't being too illegal but um <laughs> but where you shared with me this this is us both oversharing now because i was yeah. getting so excited about you coming back into work and you said Rachel, mm. i really think actually now is the time just i just need to process this and step back and I think you were crying and I was crying and it was like (laughs) because that's the thing isn't it we 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 love serving in ministry together with our friends and chemistry matters and and Mm. and you know having people in the team that you do life with and especially Mm. I mean especially people that you're like they're great at what they do like I want them here um but the exciting thing is absolutely God is opening up spaces where this communication skill that you have is just yeah so come on let us in I mean people must surely know what you're up to but tell us what is it that you and Jade are up to at the moment yeah so
3: in um, April 2022 I literally just posted a funny story of one of my kids one of the things he said um, uh, to me uh, on on TikTok I was on TikTok anyway just as a youth pastor just to see what it was like you hear kind of all sorts of things about how amazing it is on the one hand but how damaging it can be on the other Uh, and so felt obviously like it's your responsibility to at least be aware of the world that young people are living in. Um, and uh, I posted it initially on Instagram on my story and got a lot of people reply like this is really funny, like more than usual, I'd say. So I was like, oh, I might just write this on TikTok. And uh, it, it got like 50,000 views. And suddenly I went from having just a couple of hundred followers or like maybe maybe not even that even to a couple of thousand. I was like, oh, wow. And suddenly it was the platform I was followed on most just after one story it was really bizarre. Um, then uh, as I shared my wife's a wheelchair user and I shared the a story of our first date where we went to a cinema and basically the lift wasn't working and I had to carry her up a load of stairs but there were lots of funny moments within that story and um, I shared that I think in May on TikTok and it got like two and a half million views and suddenly like, I went from having a couple of thousand followers to like 50,000 I was like this is ridiculous so that was an area where I was like, I was really enjoying it. And it was kind of something I was doing a little bit on the side, a little bit of an opportunity to share a bit about your life and do funny family disability related content, um, and just share a little bit of what our family is like. Um, And uh, yeah, it just continued to grow and grow really. Um, And then I was putting things across onto Instagram and Facebook and some of those platforms were not maybe growing as much as TikTok was, but were growing as well and um it, it it's it's kind of ended up being a little bit like I said earlier, every time I felt like maybe a door is closing or maybe even I need to take the decision to close a door for the good of the young people, the good of the church and and I think what, how I felt led in myself as well personally um god's has always opened up something else, and so we it, we're still very early days, and we don't know whether it'll be a goer forever and we don't know what that necessarily look like um but yeah we took that decision to I took the decision to resign from my role um and continue to volunteer in the areas that I really enjoy so that the so I I guess I I guess so that I could thrive my family could thrive and the church could thrive because I did feel that whilst there are areas that the the youth was thriving there are also areas where the youth would be and the church would be better served with someone who is more skilled in the things that i'm not skilled in i guess and uh yeah so we've um yeah we've we've basically yeah trying to make social media a job which still sounds really really strange and really funny uh, and really weird i i i say content creator over influencer just because i feel like it, that's, this is my own inner arrogance coming out. I feel like content creators have uh, talent, uh, and I feel like influencers um, are just pretty, um, usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, I, I, I think it's uh, more we're active, to
0: do, isn't it? Content yeah, creator, yeah, it's trying, trying to do
3: funny, vi- trying to do funny videos, um, yeah. and and not just pose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Although there's a, there's a whole lot of that on some days and I love it. It's an interesting story though, isn't it? How how you mm. process the unexpected in your life and, and how yeah. God works through that and leads you forward. Again, in, in things that you don't anticipate. And we often Definitely. say in, in the youth ministry, you know, online, TikTok, it is the new frontier. Like this is a space mm. that needs pastoring that needs great content that needs uh people mm. that are authentic about their faith in their life that are real and not as you say bleeding over everybody but are real about faith and scars and i think that's on one level it's not surprising that that's where god's moved you on to but often it does come with a kind of a, a, a series of pain as well so thank you john yeah. thank you so much for sharing This with us, it's such, and if people, it's all in the show notes. If you want to connect with what John and Jane are doing, um, and uh, yeah, it's so exciting. So thank you, John. Get get cracking on that roast. I'm coming back from Blackburn. I'm going to eat it to
3: Blackburn. (laughs) See you, John.
0: Bye. Thanks so much,
3: Rachel. See you soon. (laughs)
1: That was a great and a great fun interview, Rachel. Thank you. Um, we, we've talked quite a bit already, so we're not going to do any more <laughs> at the end this week. You are, you'll are you be relieved to hear. Um, but just a reminder that you can get in touch with us. Uh, podcast at youthscape.co.uk is the email address. We're on socials at youthscape or at youthscape podcast. Um, you can also become a patron. We haven't mentioned that for a while, have we? No. If you want to put some money behind the Youthscape podcast, like money behind the bar, really, it's yes. not money behind the bar. Just, you know, you're buying us a drink. You might be buying us a new microphone. Um, you, can, you can subscribe. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Youthscape. Um, but, yeah, thank you. A wide-ranging discussion mm. today, Rachel. Oh, meaty. And uh, we've got. we'll come back for another one next week.
2: Hi there, I'm Alex and my unsung heroes, plural actually, were a couple called Paul and Sue Butler. Um, and they had a particular impact on me in um, in my kind of late teenage years at university. Um, so I met them the first time I went along to church. Um, and I was doing that thing of trying to find a church and didn't really know how to work out which church was right and I've never really done that before. Um, and I, I remember they, I sat behind them at church and the church did that awkward thing that churches often do which is get you to turn around and talk to someone you don't know and we got talking and there was a bit of a connection um, and lots of shared interests and they were just curious and interested and um, really supportive and so they were a lot of the reason I carried on going back to that church. Yeah, they were my, you know, they helped lead a discipleship group at the church. They always had people in their home, just this really, I think they were my introduction into hospitality, but not in a kind of really middle class kind of way, but in a really grounded, informal, we'll come to dinner, but you're gonna to need to bring some of that dinner with you and you're gonna to need to help cook it when you arrive at our place. And you're gonna to have to help clear the table and drag some chairs in. It was, it, it was hospitality like that. And they were people of prayer and just really like wise sounding boards. And they had a huge impact on, on me. Um, and so yeah, they, they ended up preaching and praying at my wedding. So really significant parts of my life and, and still a connection now.
1: Mad for it. Yeah, I have we are. to say, I've got what? so much energy for this. Yeah, it's good. It's so come fun. on, let's do more.
0: Let's do more. Let's do ten. Let's do twenty. <laughs> let's do let's more. deal with all the issues in youth ministry and resolve it all. It, well, I, yeah, and I think um, there's always really. Should we interesting- just start this
1: talking yeah. again? That's awful. Yeah, I'm sorry. We shouldn't do any of that. Yeah, let's do again. I'm just gonna think for a second.
0: Well, that's a really good point.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and her, Rachel retro- <laughs> Godley. It's a salt tree. tree.
0: <laughs> 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 Singing, we sing this little light of mine. In the youth ministry, oh, right.